Since 2010, many of us Montana residents, business owners, sportsmen and women, and conservationists join forces under the banner of Montanans for Healthy Rivers to identify and conserve the last best free-flowing rivers in Montana. Some of the greatest river stewards and boots on the ground helping to protect our rivers day in and day out are guides. From a guiding perspective, I can tell you that sustainability and preservation is my ultimate goal. My name is Kinsley Scott. I'm a Montana native and guide, and I have been with Montanans for Healthy Rivers for years now. Welcome to River Ramble Guides Edition. In this series, we will hear from guides and outfitters from across the state in various regions of the proposed grassroots legislation Montanans for Healthy Rivers Coalition is currently fighting for. The Crown of the Continent proposal would protect 200 river miles in the heart of Montana, and the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would preserve an additional 336 miles of river within the pristine Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Today we are joined by veteran guide and a true hero of conservation, Doug Hockey. Doug's love for this area of the world runs deep, and he is here representing his home waters of Rock Creek, Lake Fork Rock Creek, and the West Fork of Rock Creek, an area that could receive 45 miles of protection. Doug shares with us why safeguarding these places is so important. Hi, Doug, are you there? Hi, Kinsley. Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. I really appreciate it. Um, I got to sure. ask, how's everything in billing? <laughs> well, it's warming up uh, after <laughs> four or five days of, of very intense cold. Uh, it, it warmed up to a balmy nine degrees today for the, for the high, and I think it's going <laughs> to keep getting a little bit warmer, but we're sure to welcome yep. that warmer weather coming. Break out the flip-flops, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Awesome. So, Doug, you are here representing multiple bodies of water within the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act. Um, we're going to be covering Rock Creek, Lake Fork Rock Creek, and the West Fork of Rock Creek. And you are supporting this, and it would include 45 miles of protection. And what that protection breaks down into is Rock Creek would gain 14 miles from the Montana-Wyoming border to the Custer-Gallatin Forest boundary. Lake Fork, Rock Creek, would gain 11 miles from the source to the confluence with Rock Creek. And the West Fork of Rock Creek would gain 20 miles from the source to the Custer-Gallatin line. So with all that said, Doug, for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, I've um, been an avid fly fisher or fly fisherman for uh, since I was about 14 years old. I was born and raised in Ohio and came out west when I was about 18. <clears throat> Served on a Helitac crew in Yellowstone National Park for nine summers and part-time ranger there, too, as well. Um, and that's where I really developed a, a, a real love for fly fishing out in the West here. And then after college, I went to Miami University in Ohio. Um, I moved out here permanently and uh, been enjoying trout fishing ever since. The uh, been a, a longtime member of uh, Trout Unlimited, particularly Montana Trout Unlimited, where Oh, a few years back, I, I served uh, my two-year term as uh, Montana Trial Unlimited Chairman as well, <clears throat> and I'm still actively involved with that. But I'm also on the uh, on the board, on the executive committee, and uh, the board of the Bighorn River Alliance, too, and that, that's taken a lot of my time, too, as well. Not so much in the conservation 
um, aspect of it, although uh, that's certainly involved that, uh, with the Bighorn has been more um, uh, working with the Bureau of Reclamation and, and trying to get mm-hmm. uh, um, stakeholder fairness in, in how that water is distributed. So um, been pretty busy, but the, um, the Rock Creek area, I have some property up there that I bought just uh, just for the fishing. It's one of my favorite spots in the whole world to fish up there. It's just a wonderful little creek. That's fabulous. Yes, it looks like a yeah. gorgeous area of the world. I haven't been up there in yep. a very long time. But And too, Doug, your efforts in conservation over the years have not gone unnoticed. I did my due diligence of collecting you know, information for our conversation today. And you've oh, been good. recognized with multiple awards, some from FWP, others from Montana Fishery Society. And you were actually named a hero of conservation by Field and Stream Magazine. So Thank you for your dedicated wow. efforts to help well, protect. You're very welcome. That was impressive research. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. It's been a been a joy yeah. uh, to work on all this stuff. It has. And we're, we're fortunate to have a really good uh, crew uh, with FWP here in Region 5. Uh, and they've been they've been tremendous, too, and as they are uh, pretty much throughout the whole state. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And so in terms of guiding, Doug, what has your, you know, career looked like? What's what does your guiding look like these days? Well, I'm I'm strictly a part-time uh, guide. I just sort of fill in where needed. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, uh, my involvement with the other organizations, you know, will, um, uh, you know, have prizes that are free trips and that kind of stuff, and, and I like <laughs> to do those uh, for that. But uh, I also fill in for different places, too, anywhere from the Stillwater to the Bighorn. Uh, you know, wherever I'm needed and, and, and available. But I, I don't do it full time, but I wanted to get started in it about 10 years ago to kind of get a feel for, um, you know, to kind of have a dog in the fight, I guess, and, and realize what the guys were going through, particularly on the Bighorn River uh, up there. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a real eye-opener for me, too. It's a, it's a whole different way to kind of look at the conservation efforts, too, as well. But um, mm-hmm. uh, no, I've got a regular job. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a software <laughs> developer and, and have been for a long time, but um, uh, enjoy getting out, you know, with clients whenever I can, too. Yes. And so speaking to that, uh, whether you are guiding or fun fishing, um, what rivers do you spend most of your time on? Most of my time, uh, you know, um, bigger water is uh, usually the Bighorn and, and the, the Yellowstone, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I certainly like those uh, as well too. But um, boy, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that my favorites were uh, uh, fishing cricks, you know, rock cricks mm-hmm. and Stillwater, um, and and several other ones in, in the area here that are, you know. Um, I won't describe now, but uh, are, are you know little gems, uh, just small cricks uh, um, that are just wonderful in this area too. So as well, and, you know, here in Region Five, this, this part of Montana, the Billings area, you just don't see the crowds like you do elsewhere, uh, which is particularly nice here. But, but Rock Creek is probably my favorite uh, of all places to, just to get out and fish. You know, don't don't need a boat; it's all wade fishing, and uh, and it's just a great little fishery. Perfect. Piggybacking off of that, <laughs> I have you representing a connected conglomerate of vital headwater drainages of the Yellowstone River. So for listeners that aren't familiar with this area, can you please give us a geographic location of where we're talking about today? Sure. Um, the Rock Creek flows through Red Lodge, Montana, which uh, most people are familiar with. And it's 
Um, gosh, I don't remember how many miles I've driven a thousand times, but you know it's about a forty-five minutes uh, south of uh, south southwest of Billings. You know, and, and it, it starts to get close mm-hmm. to the Wyoming a little bit, but it's it's kind of the the gateway to the Beartooth. Uh, there um, from Red Lodge. So, you know, for me, I, I know from, from my office to feet wet on Rock Creek uh, at my favorite spot, it's about 55-minute drive from Billings. So mm-hmm. it's a, you know, real easy little day trip. And uh, one of the other advantages that Rock Creek has is that it's very close to the highway there. So mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the lower stretches of it, uh, particularly uh, downstream of the confluence of the West Fork and Lake Fork are, you know, it pretty much parallels the, the highway there. So and there's plenty of good access to it um, with FWP access sites all along the river. <clears throat> and then once you get a little bit south of Red Lodge, you, know, you pretty much get into Custer National Forest there. And it's all, all that water is accessible up there and easily accessible. So it's, it's, it's really a nice spot. Absolutely. So exactly where do these bodies of water originate and what do they flow into? You can start with Rock Creek and let's touch on the West Fork of Rock Creek and also Lake Fork. Rock Creek, well, as do all of these streams, uh, um, pretty much originate way up mm-hmm. in the, in the Beartooth. Um, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely coming from uh, very high elevations uh, to the southwest of, of Red Lodge uh, in, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, Rock Creek itself is I think its its origin is pretty close to the Wyoming border, and then the, obviously the West Fork and Lake Lake Fork um, are west of the main stem of Rock Creek, and they're 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 smaller water, of course, but um, they originate all up in the mountains. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at this area of the world. There's not a lot of information, right? You can't just Google where this headwaters from. There's a lot of other uh, um, creeks too that that flow in from different places. Some of the, some of those are absorbed by irrigation, which can be a little little bit of a concern at time. And even Rock Creek, uh, for that matter, um, the main stem um, from irrigation draws, particularly in the spring. That I've I've seen it low enough in the spring that by that I mean um, uh, once irrigation starts up, um, you know a lot of, a lot of that water is diverted, but. You know, I, I've I've been on Rock Creek in uh, uh, in May, early May, sometimes when uh, after runoff, when when the irrigation starts uh, up, and you know you can you can walk across Rock Creek and and just get the tops of the soles of your feet wet, and that's it. So some I mean, of that's a little bit scary, but it's it's a robust fishery. They seem to hang on pretty well. And I should mention too that Rock Creek, um, below town, um, north of just north of Red Lodge, there uh, during runoff, it can look it can look fairly small water, you know, maybe 250 to 300 CFS, which is which is a lot of water um, for Rock Creek, but it's it can be quite dangerous, and, and I'd like people to know that too. That you know, once it's over 300 CFS. Um, uh, downstream of Red Lodge, there, um, it's the waiting is 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 possible, but it can be very very difficult and dangerous too as well. And there's a lot of sweepers in the river and, and uh, loose cobble, whatever. So that's an important thing to note. Absolutely, yeah. No, thanks for that. It's uh, you know, yeah. all of these drainages that we're talking about today. I mean, just come off of you know, anywhere from twelve thousand to ten thousand foot peaks, and it you know the the drop right. um, is tremendous and yes these being yes. stones high flows that's yeah. a great piece of information thanks but that, and yeah. one of the nice things that does help though is because so much of that is in is in forest service property you mm-hmm. know the you know people haven't gotten in there and straightened those creeks 
out. You know, there's a lot of oxbows and, and turns and twists in there that help slow that river down. And, and that's one of the reasons that Rock Creek north of Red Lodge or downstream of Red Lodge uh, can be so dangerous because a, a lot of that in years past, you know, that river was straightened a lot and it, it can really move a lot of water in a big hurry uh, down there. But that's not so much the case. And, and particularly the West Fork, I like during runoff. Um, mm-hmm. um, because it stays, you know, it has a good amount of water in it, but it's clear and almost always clear when Rock Creek is blown out and, and the fishing remains very good up there. Same with Lake Fork, uh, too, as well. It'll, it'll run clear, mostly clear during, during runoff, except in those exceptional years. Awesome. So, so speaking of that, um, if you had to give just a general description of this area, like if you landed there, what would it look like? And to... The, you spoke to the clarity of, of the water. And if you could talk a little bit about the fisheries, like what types and species of fish could folks expect? Yeah, the um, first of all, the, the main stem of Rock Creek uh, generally holds the, the, the larger fish, and that's particularly mm-hmm. true um, downstream of Red Lodge itself in there, and, and some, some good size fish. I mean, anywhere from your average, oh, it's, well, First of all, um, talking about below Red Lodge is is mostly mm-hmm. a brown trout and rainbow fishery. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, occasionally, you'll you'll see a brookie or two down there, and, and sometimes a whitefish uh, here or there. But um, predominantly, uh, overwhelmingly, a, a brown and rainbow fishery. Uh, and the fish the fish range from um, you know all sizes, two inches on up to. I think the largest that I've seen uh, on Rock Rock Creek is uh, is below Red Lodge has been about a 27 inch brown, which is a really big fish for for down there. But um, there are yeah. fish over 20 inches in there. Most most of them range in the 14 to 18 inch range, uh, something like that. In mm-hmm. there. Um, when you get above town and in the West Fork, and uh, particularly you you do see some browns and rainbows in there, but it's uh, uh, predominantly brookies. Um, occasionally, there'll be cutthroat in there, same as the main stem of Rock Creek. Uh, uh, on occasion, you'll catch a, a cutthroat in there as well, too. Lake Fork is pretty much the same. You have brookies in there as well, some rainbows and, and browns. Uh, but particularly higher up, you'll you'll start getting into cutthroat. And once you get quite a ways up Lake Fork, uh, um, it's predominantly cutthroat up there, which is which is great. Those are those are always fun and, and heartening to. To see cutthroats anywhere you are in this part of the country over here by building so they are smaller but every now and then you'll 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 catch a big fish but they're plentiful and they're stupid so they're easy to catch it's not unusual <laughs> to be on either one of those uh, lakes work on there to to catch 20 30 40 fish a day up there if you're really trying but you know it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a great country up there oh it seems like such a pristine area of the world relatively untouched and let me ask you yeah. Why is this area special to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess you know it's 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 nice because it's it's easy access, um, and as I get older too, that becomes more and more important to me. I mean, uh, doing these day trips, which mm-hmm. start with an eight hour or you know an eight mile hike or something uphill, it's getting a little harder for me these days. So I <laughs> I, I do enjoy having the the ready access to it, and uh, um, as do a lot of other people, but. Um, so there are spots on those, you know, um, the West Fork and uh, the Lake Fork that are busy. But, you know, if you're willing to walk a couple extra 
100 yards, uh, you know, upstream from the, the turnouts or the campgrounds or whatever, you know, you'll be alone for for all day uh, up there. But, you know, there's a lot of wildlife up there. There's a lot of bears. Uh, there's moose um, and sometimes some angry moose. Um, and so you got to be careful of those. But it's just I think what makes it so special is I know that I can go up there and, and have a stretch of, of good fishing water up there to myself all day long. Uh, mm-hmm. Just about anywhere on Rock Creek, except right in town, a uh, Red Lodge there. So that's what makes it so special to me, I guess. But it's sort of my home water too, as well. Mm-hmm. Doug, how do you share important conservation issues facing Montana with clients or just anyone that you meet when you are sharing conservation and your efforts? Sure. Well, certainly when I'm client, uh, um, uh, guiding, uh, you know, that's always one of the main topics, and that usually usually the clients bring that up, you know, uh, what a great place this mm-hmm. is, what a great spot, and why is this so special, blah, blah, blah. So it's easy to talk about convers- or conservation with them. But I'm very active in the local Mont- uh, uh, Magic City Fly Fishers, uh, Trout mm-hmm. Unlimited chapter here in Billings, and we've got a great bunch of guys, too, and, and we put on... Well, before COVID, you know, we would have six or eight programs a year that we would put on that would address a lot of these issues, not only, you know, where where the good places are to fish and how to fish them, but why they're so good and what, what makes mm-hmm. them so good. So um, I, I think the best thing to do that, uh, I mean, having those meetings or whatever is really great uh, one-on-one, but I have to admit that, the you know, social media has, has really helped with that too as well. We've got mm-hmm. some good organizations that are really good about bringing any of those concerns to light. Um, granted, they're, you know, you're, you're targeting people that probably know a lot of that, but I know we've gained a lot of members and interest in it just from social media itself, from people mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily uh, diehard fly fishermen, but, you know, homeowners, landowners, uh, stakeholders along the, the creeks and rivers. So uh, social media has been a kind of an important part of that too, but nothing beats sitting down with folks or getting out fishing with them and uh, talking to them, you know, uh, where they can see that that stuff live in person. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, with this podcast, I launched it and didn't really know if anyone would even listen to it. But like you said, with social media, we've been able to get the word out and it's just been tremendous, the, the feedback. So I, oh. I totally agree. There is a there's a great benefit to it, for sure. It is. And, it, you know, it's it's one thing to send an email, but, you know, like podcasts and, and in-person visits and stuff, something where they don't have to read or click and get online all the time mm-hmm. to do this or do that uh, is just a great way to get the information out there. Agreed. So, Doug, if this bill is passed, how do you see this area benefiting from the protection? Well, um, I mean, there's a number of ways. I mean, because a lot of it's, you know, uh, on or adjacent to uh, Custer National Forest, you know, there's already some protection there. But one of the things we're facing and uh, and that we faced over on the East Rosebud was, you know, attempt to put in some hydropower units on some of these small mm-hmm. creeks and that's that's starting to become more popular around the country too not 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 these giant you know four turbine dams like uh like they have at yellowtail or something like that but just small mm-hmm. you know power plants that will run through long pipes you know build up pressure as they come down i mean you know it's, mm-hmm. so you have to have some something at the head the top of the stream to divert the water into these pipes and as it goes downhill and builds up you know gravity and pressure or whatever then it then it 
it turns a turbine down at the end of that. And some of these are quite long. And one that they were proposing in the up on the East Rosebud, you know, would would divert water in, into one of those those um, aqueducts, and that aqueduct was going to run, I think, six or seven miles down that creek, um, you know, and diverting, you know, two thirds of the water out of there. Um, wow. It would have had a tremendous impact on that whole area. Well, when the wild and scenic came in there for that, that that made that impossible down the road. People are still looking for places to build cabins and, and subdivisions mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think it's important that we protect those, uh, not only from just that growth from these towns, but from developers and, and that and that kind of thing. And that's why I'm in favor of, of those uh, right now. And, and better do it now than have to get in a position like we were at the East Rosebud and all of a sudden it turns up the permits were, were in and all of a sudden, you know, we had this huge fight on our hands. So that's, I'm, I'm totally in favor of any of those protections that we can put in there. If we lose the headwaters, the rest of it goes. So um, protecting those headwaters is is by far the most important. Yeah. And trying to be proactive with this could be a great success story for us here in Montana, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. Awesome. Can you share a quick story in which a client demonstrated conservation ethics through your teachings? <laughs> oh, I'd have to think about that a minute. Um, <laughs> You've done a lot over the years. <laughs> well, um, the, the most recent one I can think of was I had I had a, a, a real nice couple that had come out from Kentucky out, and it was it's kind of a bad time of year. It was, it, it was during runoff and whatnot, and they were. Well, they weren't really sure what they wanted to fish. So I sort of gave them, we, we went, you know, they were here for a, a good number of days. We tried a couple of different places um, uh, all the way around. And uh, uh, Bighorn, Stillwater, and then uh, a couple of days uh, up through the, the the whole Rock Creek uh, area up there. And, and, you know, we, even though the fish were smaller, you know, they were, they were plentiful. That was their favorite. Was Rucker, and they had planned to come back again here last year, but then COVID got in the way. But you know, and they they were totally new to fly fishing, and had a lot of questions. And they were one of those who just wanted to know it all. Why is this? Why is this clear? And why is this not? And how come this isn't blown out? But the bighorn is. Blah blah blah. Stillwater was too high to fish, and and Rucker was just was just perfect. And uh, so we talked a lot about that, but. Since then, they have become really tremendous supporters of not only Magic City Fly Fishers, but um, Bighorn River Alliance, too, as well. So, you know, they're, I think they, they really gained a, a good appreciation of what it takes to keep these waters cold and clear, um, you know, mm-hmm. year-round year for that. But it, but it's not something you can demonstrate on a tailwater like the, like the Bighorn. And, and some degree, um, like the Yellowstone, it was these small little cricks. Um, that were in the greatest danger, and I think they 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 could see that and and learn that, mm-hmm. and that was great. And they've in sense have become good friends and and great supporters of our efforts here. You know, not not only in in letter writing and whatnot, but in uh, financial donations as well too. So that that's the one I'm real happy with. Oh, that's wonderful. It's always it is yeah one of the best aspects of guiding is kind of that aha moment when it you know when we share our love of these places with someone and in then in turn impact them and that's that's fantastic exactly exactly yeah it was and and they were they were just uh just great people great people awesome thankful for them that's for sure so if you had a message for folks right now or could encourage others listening to take action what would that be well um i I guess i would say 
I, mean, I think a lot of people, I don't want to say they take things for granted, um, but I think they sometimes feel like there's nothing that we can do about it. And, and where do we go to, to, to get help with this? And, and I think, you know, organizations like um, the local Montana TU chapters um, is a really good place to start. If, if they have questions or concerns, and, and we see more and more of that all the time. For example, somebody's saying, hey, my my neighbor just took a dozer in here and moved this, this crick around, and I don't think I can call the police, but what, what can I do? And, and that sort of stuff. We can, we can help them with that and guide them to the right places. So I would encourage them to get in touch with uh, any member of the local chapter. As we see particularly people, you know, coming in from out of state that aren't knowledgeable with you know, permits that are required on what you can do in a, in a stream. And and to be honest, you know, a lot of local people that live here all their lives aren't that familiar with it either. So many folks have the belief that I own this stretch and here I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. The, those are the, really the ones that are probably the most immediate danger of, of causing some some problems. That, that's, again, another reason why these protections are so important. I guess that's what I would say, do, is, is people that want to help need to get in touch with these the people that are on the ground involved in this stuff daily, and that would be the Montana chapters, uh, or TU chapters, and uh, FWP. Yes, it's a collective effort. It's oh, it has to be. Facilitated. To be. Yeah, exactly. It's not facilitated by just yeah, one person yeah. or organization. Right, exactly. And in some some cases, you know, Bighorn's a good example of that. You have mm-hmm. multiple government agencies there uh, and all sorts of this different entities up there, you know, Park Service, uh, Forest Service, Bureau of Reclamation, the Crow Tribe, uh, just all sorts mm-hmm. of concerns in there. Unfortunately, we don't have that on, on Rock Creek, but um, because it's such a popular destination site, it comes with its own set of headaches, too, as well. Well, Doug, thank you again so much for taking the time to speak up for this area of the world that could gain 45 miles of wild and scenic protection. We really appreciate it. Sure. Well, I sure hope it happens, Kinsley, and I appreciate all your hard work uh, doing that uh, and passion. It's, it's, It's much appreciated. Thank you. From all of us here at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, thank you for tuning in. If you would like to learn more about the Crown of the Continent proposal, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, and to join our efforts, please visit healthyriversmt.org to add your endorsement.